Listen, if you dare, to the Lovecraft Tapes. Welcome to the Lovecraft Tapes Podcast. I am Jeremy, your keeper of arcane lore, and we play Call of Cthulhu, a sci-fi horror role-playing game. Your investigators of the unknown are Brian. Hello. Gabe. That thing I said on the first take was really funny. And Matt. It's, it's literally the funniest shit I've heard in years. And you know, I can't I can't wait for everyone else to hear that first take because it was just it was just amazing. But yeah, it's actually we've recorded it via Audacity so we can actually release that as a blooper. Oh wait, they're gonna find out it wasn't that funny. <laughs> <laughs> the truth will come out. Welcome players. Uh what are we drinking tonight? Uh, how are you feeling? With my hands. Like I'm drinking tonight. I understand uh, Matt's drinking a little bit of his eggnog, his homemade eggnog. Yeah, I made this stuff Yeah, about eight, nine months ago, and it's been sitting in the back of my fridge ever since. Only gets better with age, just like me. I'm drinking vodka from the bottle. And I'm drinking, of course, the 2015 Bourbon County Stout from Goose Island. It tastes like syrup. All right, guys. Well, tonight we're going to be answering some listener-submitted questions regarding the podcast and our recently completed scenario, Case 11 Haunted Heart. Spoiler alert to everyone in the Twitch watching. And, of course, if you're listening to the podcast version of this, we are going to be discussing all of the nitty-gritty details of this adventure. So if you haven't listened yet, you might want to go back and start at Case 11 Tape 1 Prologue first or wherever you left off. You have been warned this will be spoiler-heavy. Also want to let you guys know that uh, we will be, in addition to answering some questions, uh, we do have a few letters from beyond that we're going to sprinkle in here or there. So before we begin, this show is brought to you in part by our generous fans and supporters on Patreon.com slash Lovecraft Tapes. Thank you to Jordy Rose, Young Old One, Robert Lamb, Atulia, Barry Robeson, Jordy Rose, Wild Pants, Madeline Turnipseed, Kyle Sherman, Huge Pie, Dakota Smith, Amanda Power, Rain, Chris Parker, huh? I don't know who that is. Jefferson Bell, Brownie Davis, Elizabeth Grieve, Little Rowan Plays, Brittany Davis, Snow, Olda Polkert, Dom Driver, Frank Delventhal, Captain Vashton, Lobster Johnson, Liz Moonberry, Phil Dickinson, Daniel Hissey, Stephen Gregory, Robert Jamison, Ryan Perry, David Winterman, Shosuro Ajo, Eric Zane, Mal, Daniel Caprone, John May, Sheldon Warner, Marty Dixon, Wouter Vermeyen, Chainsaw Unicorn, Malambra 57, Nathan Crow Yog, Eric Phillips, Boston Harbor Horror, Mitch L, Ali Aaron Olgan, Peter VDB, Eric Setterberg, Ba Tran, Gregory Schmucker, Davini Vanzerovich, Hoser underscore 21, Holden Omans, Kevin G, Jeffrey Young, Phil Campbell, Alexandra Kroska, Xylem Graf, Tian Tai, Nicholas Hutto, John Konopasic, A.E. Jonesy, Robert Lamb, John Emray, Vermillion, Ineptus Astartes, Andrew Petty, Mick Cope, Justin Levesque, Bifford, Rolling Boxcars, and AJ Ake. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate all of the support you've given us this scenario. I'd like to contribute uh, 100 Dogecoin. I'm going to donate 100 Venezuelan dollars. Nice. So 50 cents as well. That's not even close to 50 cents. But is it close to 50 cent? I wish. Now, dear investigators, we recap Case 11, Haunted Heart. Previously... On the Lovecraft Tapes. Delta Green agents Jack, Rocky, and Roy are deployed to Providence, Rhode Island, where a trio of young girls have gone missing. Their investigation of a local haunted house is aided by two local ghost hunters, Ricky and Danny, and it soon becomes apparent that there is more to Pomance than meets the eye. In a race against time and space, the detectives uncover a dark secret in the attic 
and a haunted heart in the basement, but ultimately pay a price for their inquiries far beyond the cost any of them thought might come due. Let's get to the questions, guys. Yeah. First off, from John Redacted. First time listener, almost finished with Case 11. You gentlemen rock. The show is entertaining and high quality. Your group dynamic and approach to role-playing games is fun and energetic. Have you ever considered a metasode, a meta-episode, where the horrors of the game haunt the players' lives? Possibly in the form of products and or services from Herbert West Industries? Then again, maybe that idea is insane? Best wishes. Stop giving Jeremy ideas. It never ends well for us. That would be kind of fun, but I think, didn't we do a one-shot where you guys sort of played yourselves? Yeah, it was, it was the Easter episode. Was it this year or last yeah, year? That's right. You guys went to the con, right? Yeah. Legs. Or eggs, I guess. Eggs. So John redacted. We did We did sort of do that. Uh, we, we basically had a one-shot, which I think now is publicly available. Probably. Where these uh, three guys played convention goers at a like Comic Con sort of thing. And then they got caught up in uh, shenanigans and spiders. And we didn't have enough pieces of flair, so we all died. And if you've ever wondered why we've made jokes about Jeremy telling Gabe exactly what number he needs to roll to succeed, go listen to that episode and you'll find out why. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who was it that lived because only one of you guys lived, right? Wasn't it Gabe? I think it was me. I'm the boy who lived. Thank you, John, for that. Uh, of course, we will consider. More, more of those types of things. I actually really enjoyed that one. Uh, Sheldon Warner says, I would love to learn a little bit about Jeremy's process for creating these thrilling and engaging investigations. What sort of planning goes into the overall story beforehand compared to the preparation made for each session? And how much of the planned content does the team end up finding or missing? Well done, all of you. I'm looking forward to the next story. It starts with heavy drinking and then heavy petting. I try to find something that is maybe thematically a little bit different than what we've done in the past. Or, you know, I'll be inspired by a work of art, whether that's literature, movies, or whatever, and sort of use that as a springboard jumping off point and start to uh, form the story. Now, the crazy thing is I might have a really good idea of where that story is going to go right from the get-go, but because these guys are so crazy, it ends up transmogrifying and we go lots of different directions. I would say they find usually 50 to 75% of the stuff that I've planned, but because uh, the story does go in different directions, we either eliminate it for time or content, or they just tend to go off in a diff completely different direction of their own making. I try not to railroad them too much. If there's a self-contained mystery, then it needs certain parameters to happen for anything to even go forward. But for the most part, I do rewrite the story or change it as we go along to accommodate what they've done. Sometimes we need a little bit of railroading, otherwise we spend half an episode looking in an elevator. Yeah, otherwise it's not very interesting to the listener, I don't think. If it were completely formless and these guys were just off doing whatever, I mean, there'd be a certain entertaining value, but you kind of want things to come full circle. You want things to make sense. Thank you. From Wade, just wanted to say that I love your podcast and I'm all caught up. Thanks for the hours upon hours of nonstop entertainment. The suspense is real with the cliffhanger at the end of Case 11. I'm beyond excited for the next chapter. Keep up the great work. You're welcome. That was awesome. I think the cliffhanger at the end of Case 11 was uh, was a lot of fun. Uh, it was something that um, I had not planned for. This is a great example of something that I just didn't have in the story to begin with. And I kind of had the idea start to formulate right around taped 
eight, I think. And I was like, wait a minute, this could go this way. And what if this happened? And and then boom. And then it just sort of all panned out. I can't wait till we get to the space station. We're going to the moon. Nurar Ihayan asks, when Rocky died, he was able to get resurrected. So if Jack is truly dead, does it mean they aren't in the simulation anymore? Am I truly dead? Yeah, we haven't been in this simulation for a minute, is my suspicion. But that also implies that Rocky was resurrected in the simulation? I guess I would say that yes... It does mean that they aren't in the simulation anymore. Ineptus Astartes says, Is the woman's voice that opens, closes, and then does some of the sponsorships your wife? Or do you guys have a really good voice synth? Also, a by extension question for the whole cast, Do your families listen to the Lovecraft tapes? If so, what do they think of it? So to answer your question, your first part of the question there, yes, uh, that is my wife, Juliet, who does some of the voice work for the sponsorships in the opening and closing. And she has also done, uh, I think, one or two commercials and one of the fictional interludes for me. So if I get strapped and I don't feel like basically trying to uh, emulate a different voice, which I don't mind sometimes, but sometimes I'm just not in the mood. Or if I want to just shake things up in the podcast, then I'll I'll have a guest speaker, whether that's my wife or somebody else. So His wife. We do not have a really good voice synth. Everything else is uh, our voices manipulated. I've shown a couple and they'll listen to like one episode and they'll be like, that was nice. And then that's it. My parents are boomers. I had to explain what a podcast was three different times. So no, they don't. My sister's got three kids, all under the age of 10, and she's a principal of a school in elementary school with a lot more kids. So no, she does not listen. But she knows how important it is to me, and she got me a really cool gift for Christmas that she made. Any listeners that are principals of schools with more than three kids message us? I have an older sibling who listens to our podcast. If you go and listen to one of our Halloween specials I ran, Death House, she makes a guest appearance as a waitress at the tavern. How about your parents, man? Uh, no. I don't know if I want them hearing this. My answer, of course, is uh, no. My wife uh, tr- tries to be a good sport and she participates uh, from time to time, but she doesn't listen to it. This is not her thing. Our families hate us. Endless Ocean has a very intriguing question. What do you think is in the future for role-playing games? And what role do you think Call of Cthulhu has in that future, if any? Wow, man. I guess I would say that I think it's probably going to be a bit more digital. I I think particularly the pandemic has taught us that what we're doing right now, which we started before the pandemic, this is now a necessity for other players. So they're they're slowly becoming aware of this process and finding out that it works perfectly fine. I think role-playing will continue to be as big, if not bigger, than it is currently. But I think you're going to see this sort of digital platform taking place and probably a lot more resurgence of Dungeons & Dragons and Call of Cthulhu as a role-playing game on video platforms to a better extent than it has been represented in the past. I think as long as people are enjoying it, they're going to keep playing it, they're going to keep making content, and they're going to keep putting it out there until until it's not fun anymore. We don't put this out there for, oh, we got to get this on the schedule so we can get it out there so our listeners can get it. We play this every time because we love it. We love getting together and the adventure of it and being creative together. That's why we do it. If it wasn't fun, we wouldn't do it. At the end of every scenario, we have a meeting and we talk, do we still want to keep going? And we all say no, but Jeremy says, you get in that fucking seat and you do your work. And then we do, and we enjoy it. (laughs) Well, I know, uh, Matt, you're a pretty big proponent of VR. Do you ever think like role-playing games can go that 
route. Yeah, with the um, the continuing increase in adoption through platforms like um, Oculus, where you can now get a, a totally wireless inside-out tracking VR headset for, you know, $500 or less, it's becoming a lot more prevalent in the consumer market. And as that grows and that picks up Steam VR along with AR, I think are going to become really, really great platforms for, for role-playing games, especially with some of the things I've seen. Um, like, I think... AR more so than VR, like with some of the things I've seen, like with HoloLens from Microsoft, where you can just put on a pair of glasses and, you know, all of a sudden you can see, you know, a table in front of you becomes your tabletop where you're playing and you can see your friend's avatars sitting around the room. And once you get, you know, the tech and the fidelity, I'd love to be, you know, like, oh, you roll a dice on your virtual tabletop and it can read it with your glasses. And I mean, there's a whole, whole other world out there when you apply like VR and AR to things like tabletop role playing games. And, you know, like hundred year future future dream like you know ready player one style full body immersion running around actually doing things would be i think like the the pinnacle of any kind of role playing actually putting yourself into that situation into that world where you can see feel hear and do everything you want to do without the restrictions or limitations of physicality yep and i think uh porn is the uh, industry that will actually push that technology people laugh but yeah porn has done a lot of great things a lot of industries have been launched there it is true that's where i sell my my new product stick with a rag on the end so you can wash your back because you never get out of your chair <laughs> when you're signing up for premium use code arroyo at checkout only fans but back in the day brothels were one of the the biggest reasons for westward expansion they were huge sinks of, of money from all the, the miners, the lonely miners that were coming out, and they funded building towns, they funded public education, they funded... Um, government. Government, yeah. Some of the, some of the, the western states uh, had voting laws on the books to allow women to vote before they became official states because the the brothels and the madams that run them were so critically important to local government and infrastructure at the time. And this is how the government repaid brothels. Well, I think Call of Cthulhu will have a, a big role because we know now that's the most popular uh, role-playing game in Japan, right? I think Call of Cthulhu will have a larger role because it is so malleable. It's so open to interpretation where a lot of the uh, medieval uh, Dungeons and Dragons and that sort of thing tend to be a little bit more constrained by the thematic. Call of Cthulhu has more of a touchstone for real people. We're going to be huge in Japan. Just huge tracts of land. In Japan. Let's move along. We have uh, some questions from Lopan Knows Best. Is the Delta Green switch for Case 10 and 11 possibly more permanent? Or do you see returning to Call of Cthulhu and possibly other time periods? I don't see you going back to the pre-World War II era, but I wonder about the late 70s, 80s, and that kind of Stranger Things vibe. We're going to be wearing tight yellow spandex. Finally. I hope Delta Green stays. I enjoy it. It's fun. I kind of, well, we're in the future now. I mean, according to Rocky. I think we've discussed this before, that going back seems like we're taking a step back. Unless we do a Bill and Ted thing. Most excellent. I want to visit all the Arroyo ancestors throughout history. We can finally see what happened to Rocky on the outskirts of Barbados. I think Delta Green's going to be a, a force. As a presence, it's going to be here. I don't know for sure what's going to happen in the in Case 12, for instance. Because I, I think we left a couple little teasers that something else might be going on. Like Omega Red. Yeah, Omega Red I thought might be kind of fun to monkey with. So we'll see how that plays out. 
out the one shots are a good opportunity to us for trying out different time periods and maybe the Stranger Things thing, which we kind of did too with the whole mall thing. Some strange person named Croce has some questions here. We might, might, might as well get to that. Did any House of Leaves influence get into the Poemance? Were there any traps or perils you were hoping the players would find, but they missed completely? What was affecting the one girl who was unconscious? Great job on this tape, guys. R.I.P. Jack, but I'm excited to see what character plays next. Oh, and Danny deserves a promotion at Delta Green for being the real MVP in escaping from the house. So House of Leaves uh, absolutely was top of mind when I built the scenario when I started writing it. It got away from me because it, it tended a little bit more towards ghostbustery type stuff. But for sure, the, the whole concept of the girls slipping notes of the journal through cracks in time and space. And, and, and of course, I made plenty of House of Leaves jokes and inserts here and there. Particularly, I did I, one of the episodes is actually named for the song by Poe, which who is the artist who is the House of Leaves author's sister. I, I didn't think these guys would get it, but I thought maybe Croce or somebody who was familiar with House of Leaves might have got those little in-jokes. So if you go back, there there are other in-jokes as well. Uh, were there any traps or perils you were hoping the players would find, but they missed completely? Well, okay, so there, there were a couple rooms that had some traps, but I think you guys pretty much got almost every room. So there were traps, but I couldn't go into every room. I found the biggest one with the, the rake outside. I originally had conceived a timeline. There was 48 hours was going to be the time that the investigators could be in the house. And as time goes on, the threat escalates. Originally, I believe I had threat level one, which is like, just weird things happening. Threat level two was going to be like poltergeist. Threat level three was going to be like, oh, shit's flying at you from nowhere. And then four was going to be the full-on haunt. It got obvious a couple episodes in where I was like, oh, shit, I got to accelerate this way quicker. <laughs> so I skipped a level. And we went straight to the, the haunt at a certain point. And so if you went into the den, for instance, which you did, but you were only there and like, threat level one so not a whole lot was happening if you had come around or got around to that again there was actually going to be a lion in the den oh, geez. you actually heard it roar okay there was going to be an actual lion chasing you guys around because i thought lion den that was a funny joke so <laughs> I, like it. I like it and of course if you're uh, a patron at a certain level you're going to get access to this scenario it'll be Share it out to you guys sometime in the future. It won't be exactly the way it was that it turned out for these guys, because I transmogrified things as we went along. But the bones of the scenario are there. There'll be plenty of room for you to take this and actually customize it if you dig it. Look at the bones. What was affecting the one girl who was unconscious? So, yeah, I basically had her begin to transform into, like, what Jack had transformed into, essentially. That, as Brian knows, the creature had this effect that it could actually change another person person into one of its own the person would like slowly start to lose their hair and the skin would slough off and then and i think this is a vargul in dnd i think that's what the term is yeah and i wanted to show that being in the house for more than a certain time frame on the other side in the beyond part was affecting you physically i think eventually she would have become sick and monstrous all right i think this one's next one's a letter from tomas who says i have been meaning to write this for such a long time but since i listen to your podcast during my workouts or long walks i tend to forget once i finish 
I have listened to all of your podcast series over the period of two years, and I have associated so many locations and memories with it. This podcast being a horror podcast for me is more of a comfort podcast. All of your voices and stories make me feel happy. I'm so glad. Jeremy is a keeper, did a grand job, and being a keeper myself for my own group, I aspire to become half as good as Jeremy is at storytelling. And on top of that, I love player role-playing so much so that it feels like the players are actually becoming the characters, which is really hard to find. And your metagaming is so good it seems it's like a part of the story all in all great podcast one of the two favorite podcasts that never failed to entertain me what's the other one yeah what's the other one it better be one of our friends it better be like good friends of jackson elias or something like that maybe he's a big fan of the lovely craftians or something i recommended those are your options so thank you thomas appreciate those kind words that's uh, really nice to hear and i'm glad that we've been able to entertain you for so long some stranger named atulia has some questions here who's that what was your inspiration for danny and ricky was there anything special about them that we didn't learn during the scenario like supernatural abilities they were actually dead it's so Danny and Ricky were clear references to Ghostbusters. Although I would say Danny more than anything else. Uh, Ricky was meant to be a bit more mysterious. I'm not sure I had anybody specifically in mind. I just thought Danny would be fun to play because Annie Potts in Ghostbusters is so great. And this is Danny Potts. So Ricky Weaver was Sigourney Weaver. But I played Ricky more as like this sort of like a medium. So sort of mystical. Whereas Danny was a bit more practical and, and more geared heavy she was she was more interested in the gear was there anything special about them that we didn't learn during the scenario uh not really no they were kind of face value i think i wanted ricky to maybe pick up on some vibes and i really wanted to get into the more nitty-gritty of the ghostbusting equipment but things were kind of clipping along at a certain pace that i couldn't get super nerdy about it i had a blast playing them and i think brian pulled off jack's killing of ricky perfectly it wasn't jack that's true yeah it was john poe just to clarify, Wade Barnes has just a comment for us. Hey, I just wanted to say that I absolutely love y'all's podcast. I listen to it every day to and from work, even until I go to bed, occasionally sacrificing an hour or so of sleep for it. I don't need sleep. I need answers. Sleep is for the week. I'm slowly getting all caught up. Just started Bloodlines, and I'm beyond stoked for any and all future adventures and mysteries. Keep up the great work. I aspire to one day have my own Call of Cthulhu group similar to yours. I might even one day buy stock in a screen door company. You better. And my, my motto is sleep when you're dead. And don't hesitate. Don't think about starting a game. Just start a game. You're not going to get it right. You're going to do it wrong, but it's going to be fun and you're going to learn. And then you're going to go and do it again and again, and it's going to be great. Don't let your dreams be dreams. Moving along, guys. Uh, Ground Beef says, Is it likely that the group is going to meet something extremely large and sanity testing like the encounter in the deep ocean? Is there a possibility that they have already brushed other big mythos beings? This last case was wild and an extraordinarily good listen, especially after playing Phasmophobia. And now seeing essentially secret agents take on phasmophobia. I've encountered the deep ones no matter what Jeremy says. Yeah, there's that. And we already know that, uh, well, we, we think that Jack fended off Dagon with a rocket launcher. Yeah, I'm pretty badass. Yeah, you're pretty dead ass. We don't know for sure if that really happened. Well, I know for a fact that they are working up to meeting something extremely large and sanity Look. testing. If he lives long enough, there will be a point where Roy is in a rowboat at the edge of the old ones. Yes, with a lance in one arm. Just going at him. Let me at him. All right. Uh, we do have a review from Seth Caitlin 
Five stars, dang good. I love everything from the ads to the recommendos. The atmosphere the Keeper constructs with excellent audio and SFX keeps you immersed in the story while the guys bring life to the characters, making you emotionally invested in their tomfoolery. While not all the jokes in the first few story arcs are tasteful, they really bring it around and deliver cosmic horror with an underpinning of humor. We're going to have an orgy in the next scenario. No, we are, not in the we story. We are, yeah, we are, yeah. not the characters. <laughs> the more you do it, the more fun it is, because you can kind of get rid of that those inhibitions and just let it, let it fly and become your character and have that orgy. Be the orgy you want to see in the world. This is from some guy named Chris Parker. That's totally a made-up name. It's Peter's brother. For Jeremy, what was the biggest surprise for you as you ran Haunted Heart? If you no longer had to keep arcane lore, what kind of investigator would you like to have join in our Delta Green agents for a future case? So I guess the biggest surprise for me, a couple things, like uh, basically I thought these guys would gather a little bit more evidence. I will say that uh, Matt did take some good notes. And uh, other than that, I think it kind of went the way it should have. I, I tried to inject a little bit of the, of the shining in it, too. And I, I kind of wanted to have a, a few more shining movements uh, towards the end when things were. But they, they kind of got down to the basement so dang quick that the, we didn't get to see all the rest of the craziness going on upstairs. So, yeah, what are you going to do? They saw the chandelier, and that's what matters. Chris, to answer your question, uh, I so I, I like to play uh, investigators that are non-conventional or unconventional. Investigators who aren't necessarily investigators. In Brittany's game, I get to play a newspaper editor, an older older lady who, who runs the newspaper in a small town. I want to play somebody who's a little unexpected. Very nice. Chris has some uh, questions for the players. With Jack, no more. Never more. How do you think he hoped to be remembered? And what would Roy and Rocky hope for their own legacies? Was anything left unsaid between Jack and the others from either side? I think Jack pretty much wore it on his sleeve. If he had something to say or something to, to speak to them about, he would. He went and talked to them about it. He never admitted that he does voodoo. Probably the biggest takeaway for Roy was that Jack didn't whine about what Roy was doing very often. Rocky saw Jack as someone who was well-intentioned if not a little naive thinking that you know going through what they do that you can just kind of carry on and that you know everything will be all right this is very much how he saw him acting where you know he's no matter what happened jack would would just you know let it go and why rocky could understand you know that that's probably the way that some people feel to him he doesn't like to let go because he knows that there's a vast amount of power in in memory and being prepared through experience. And so he liked Jack for being somebody different from him, but at the same time thought that there was a good chance that he was probably going to end up getting himself into into some big trouble at some point. How would Rocky like to be remembered? The best legacy he could leave is none whatsoever. He doesn't care for for spotlights. He doesn't care for statues or memorials. Or songs. He just wants to do what needs to be done to protect everyone else. He's seen, you know, the whole gamut of things that are out there in the shadows, and he feels like it's his responsibility 
to make sure that nobody else ever has to deal with that the way he did. So if he goes out saving the rest of the world and nobody ever ever hears his name again or never mentions him again or ever knows that, that he saved them, that's the best possible outcome for him. Nice. And how about you, Roy? As the greatest man who ever lived. Adam Cody has a comment. Just says, hey guys, I love the podcast. I've been binging it since I found it. I was looking for your Boomstick Brews online when I discovered that there was a Boomstick Brewery in eastern Canada, Newfoundland, where I was born and grew up. I thought you'd like to know if someone snaked your name. Anyway, I love what you guys do and keep up the good work. Appreciate that, Adam. That's awesome. Appreciate you listening. Yeah, I, I uh, did Boomstick Brew, I believe, before the Newfie Nufi, uh, Brewery did. But I'm a homebrew. I hope that they uh, brew good beer. And if you're from there and, and live there or visit there, then let us know how their beer is. Road trip. And then we have a final question from Chainsaw Unicorn, our good buddy. For the players, did y'all have a favorite plot moment during this arc? When I got to switch characters midstream. Yeah, that was fun. I confided in Jeremy how nervous I was. I felt as a player anxiety and fear because I was betraying my fellow players and my friends when I murdered one of the other characters. I felt so bad, but it was fun. To play a character that you would normally never play because it's such out of my wheelhouse. I don't think I'd want to do it again. Chris and Twitch Chat here has a question. How much advanced notice did Brian get? Was it just between sessions or further ahead? Clearly when his character died, we had a couple different ways we could go with it. There was potential that Jack would have lived. He rolled terribly, so that didn't happen. But also, there was a potential for Brian to play two roles, which I thought would be hilarious fun. Sub-question for Roy, how long until you use necromancy to bring Jack back? If I get necromancy, I'm not bringing Jack back. Bugsy, Petunia, Rosita, that I could keep going. Didn't you put Jack above Rosita, I think you said? Probably. Gabe, what was your favorite plot moment? Yeah, it's no secret that as much as I love all the investigating, my favorite stuff is all the bullshit world building. So it was definitely when me and Danny went and got the pizza. With the boober. Drinking red rums. How about you, Matt? The broom dropping out from underneath us. Me and me and Ricky ending up on the ocean floor with a large God knows what coming at us. I thought that was a really a really neat moment. Be you know, oh, we're walking around the house and oh there's a shadow and oh my god, we're at the bottom of the ocean and it was just a really a really fun moment for me to sit there and listen to and go holy crap what have i gotten myself into what's this what's this what's this that's funny you should say that because i i kind of thought maybe that was your least favorite moment because the look on your face during that whole thing was utter terror (laughs) it was i was like oh god this is where I die. I was, it's a mixture of terror and, oh boy, who's my next character going to be? I have six of them waiting. Who should I pick? There were there was potential there for some real hurt, too. I mean, you, you guys got banged up pretty well, but it could have been far worse. You know, that's a good note that you mentioned earlier. When my character died, we were discussing how much time we had in between. So one episode in between that we actually discussed what was going to happen. It's not like we just say, okay, this is what we're, we're, we're going to go. We roll dice off a camera without recording to see what's going to happen to the characters we don't just decide we don't choose we we play it when we're not actually in the game as well to make it fair as to what and i just rolled like shit and jack was done i don't know if people know that that we just we actually make it fair in between as well to so we're not just picking and choosing we're playing the game the entire way we let the dice fall where they fall even if that means fumbling four times in a scenario (laughs) 
this stands out in my head as like one of the weirdest scenarios where we have rolled just bizarrely. And I will say Matt's had the raw end of the deal for this scenario and actually part of the previous scenario too. You've had you had some weirdo mm-hmm. rolls. So we're gonna move along, guys, now to some cast member questions. For Brian, your new character is Pippa Chatterton, an unmarried 38-year-old realtor originally from New York City. Why did Pippa leave New York? And what was her past love life like? Pippa left New York because of daddy. She couldn't be there because daddy is gone. She wanted a new start, start something fresh. She's always been a screw up. She's always bounced around. Uh, Not much of a love life at all. She's never really had an interest in it. Moving to a new area and starting fresh, becoming anybody that she wants to be. That's why she's left New York. Dated in high school, but it was because everybody was dating in high school. Never had an inkling or a pull to to date anybody or to be with anybody. Very comfortable with herself. Wants to experience life. All right, Gabe. A recent key connection for Roy was a fear of loss of identity. Having seen Jack's transformation into the John Poe flying head monster must have triggered a little PTSD. How do you think Roy will be affected long term by seeing a close friend literally stripped of his identity? I hate to break it to all of the the fans. Roy has like no sanity left. He's just fucked. And, and his key connections are not getting better. They're getting worse all the time. So, I mean, this is just what happens when you have a long term character in Call of Cthulhu. They just deteriorate out from under you but ba- i don't know roy is probably going to like have a have a crisis pretty soon and start trying to cut his hair in the way that roy cut his hair and do all these things just to try and make himself look like himself again and it's just it's gonna get weird matt at the end of the scenario in the secret sub basement of blade manor i thought i detected a peculiar glint in your eye what does Rocky make of Charles's underground lair, and how does Rocky intend to use this new information and/or resource? Oh no, he's very, very excited. Um, he's been operating inside of Delta Green, whom he still has zero trust and respect for, and all of a sudden he has this underground space that nobody knows about, that has all this fancy equipment that he can use to do things his way out from the eyes of everyone else. So he is very happy and very excited to to take over this space and start using it for his own purposes. All right, Brian, you got some questions for us? Yes, I have some questions for my fellow players. Gabriel? What? (laughs) Do you feel that over this scenario, Roy and Rocky bonded and worked better as a team? No, they hate each other. Rocky sucks. Realistically, yeah, they definitely worked better together, but... I mean, Rocky sucks and nobody likes him and Roy is awesome. So it's just, they're never going to get along. Now, I saw some moments where you guys bonded together and you actually asked how he was. You're looking too deep into it. Matt, based on your situation, will Rocky be taking more risks? Yeah, he's getting fed up with his general situation you know he's stuck inside delta green and for whatever godforsaken reason they like roy and despite him being the one who's doing all the due diligence and all the research and all the planning for some reason they keep just you know pushing roy up there and he gets absolutely nothing and so he's figured you know if that's the kind of 
shit they like, you know, somebody who doesn't know what they're doing, just, what happens if I stick this fork into this electrical socket? Guess that's what he has to do to to get ahead in the world. Not to mention he knows at some point his time is up, and so even with the, the strange occurrences with the resurrection, he's still had enough at this point. Like, he's he's ready to just risk it all for the biscuit all? Yeah, we're gonna risk quick for the bisquick. Jeremiah. Were you a bullfrog? Yes. In another live? Rip it. You kind of answered this, but I still want to know the full truth and please be honest. Was this scenario an attempt to wipe out the team to start fresh? No. Really? Lies. The timeline ticking down and all of the powers you gave Poe, it almost seemed like that was the case. No, absolutely not. I never, and I do warn you guys, occasionally from the get-go, I'll be like, just FYI, things could get shitty. (laughs) I remember that warning, but when you hear it so much, you don't think anything of it until you get in the knee-deep of it. I would never do that. I don't believe in the total party kill. And just a little inside baseball to all of the folks listening and watching, what we're going to do at the end of this particular episode, once we're done streaming, is we're going to have a quick meeting. I always give the players the opportunity, if they want to switch their character, If they do, then they can, we can uh, orchestrate some sort of exit. Now, it could be anything. It could be like Roy just saying, yeah, I've had enough. I'll see you guys and walking away. Or we could orchestrate a big thing that would give them a proper send off in the way that they want that to happen. So far, they've opted for the most part to just continue along with their characters, which is fine. But in the case of any scenario, the dangers and risks are always stacked against them. This is Call of Cthulhu. This isn't D&D. The reality is that they can die from shitty dice rolls or whatever at any time. And it happens. Can I send Roy to rehab and then bring him back with full sanity? Anyways, that's the inside baseball thing. And of course, I would never, ever, ever build a scenario just to see you guys killed because there's no entertainment value in that. However, there is a level on Patreon that no one has ever stepped up to, which I'm happy that that it hasn't because that person can determine if someone dies permanently that exists so i can't say it never would it happen because if that person did they would help me build the way that that person the investigator died and partake in it because uh part of that is also that they get to star in one of the episodes so they could actually be the person who delivers the doom to the character. by the way he never asked us if we were okay with that being a thing no no actually i, bl- I believe matt it was matt that was me because he said i'll die for that much i'm not shitty if someone wants to give me that much money to kill off rocky Go for it. I will not be sad. Especially if you know how much that level costs. You don't get all the money, moron. <laughs> yeah, that's how that works, though, right? Like, I get nope. the... No, Gabe, you got your ups, so your question. I'm going to start with Matt because I had a different question and then you just gave me a new better one. Why is Rocky so incredibly jealous of Roy and Delta Green's relationship? Because Rocky thinks he's better than Roy and should be succeeding in all the situations where Roy does. Like He sees himself as the, the better. He has the experience in the supernatural. He ran his own agency for a while. He was the head of a lot of big things. And yet here he is he can't get off the ground floor and Roy in all of his bumbling idocracy just somehow seems to trip up the stairs every single time. 
It's because Roy mastered government work. To uh, Brian, it, you've kind of made it no secret to at least us other players that you wanted Jack dead for a while. What was the thing that made you want Jack dead? Did you just get bored of him or was there a thing? I think it was because of Detox dying and having to do that. Playing that character that has been the opposite of that the entire time. And then having to kill a fellow character. It just made me feel like I lost the moral compass is gone and it's like what am i fighting for if there's if this is that easy to just do that to just be the judgment of anything you want to be the judgment of and then honestly speaking with jeremy because we did this after that scenario i was like do you want to get rid of jack do you want to move on do you want to do this and i'm like you know what after having that encounter with the the simulation I was like, no, because maybe detox is still somewhere out there. And I want to, I want to see that. I want to know that I didn't end it. I didn't stop detox. I didn't kill anybody. Uh, and then, uh, Jeremy, were you always planning on us ending up at the manor where you could reveal that it was the Cthulhu map, or was that just a look? <laughs> I didn't play it on the Blade Manor reveal until much later. And then I kind of forgot that I had based the Cthulhu thing on the Blade Manor thing. So we are in the simulation then. Cool. Thank you, Gabe. And I think, Matt, you are up next with your questions. For Jeremy, speaking of Cthulhu, at the end when we uh, made a, a realization that we had been not technically playing Cthulhu by whether it was, you know, a, a, mis a, a misunderstanding of the rules and how'd that affect you as a heap? Was that like a, a really a strange moment for you to see that this thing that you'd gone so far sideways and did it, did it have any effect on you or any kind of like, how are you going to, you know, prevent that from happening in the future? It was not cool and that I couldn't believe it. I went back and I listened to the tapes and I'm like, how did we go completely opposite of what it should have been? I couldn't believe that none of us had caught it, even though I went back and I listened to like me reading the rules. Okay, here's what happens. Here's the dice rolls, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then we proceeded to do the exact opposite. That moment of horror where I'm like, are we going to have to start over? Like re-record? And then I was like, well, wait a minute. If you take out the dice rolls and you only keep the reactions, that's the magic of the editing of the podcast. But it, it was also a learning experience because it taught me that the dice rolls don't really matter that much. It really is the role-playing and not the rules that carries the entertainment value through. So I view that particular section of that particular scenario as more entertainment than a true representation of poor Cat Cthulhu because that system actually works. We just didn't play it properly. <laughs> we were playing on expert difficulty. Matt wanted to play again. I said, no, we can't. Brian, Pippa being your third character, you're back to playing a, a female character. What kind of unique experiences and opportunities are you looking forward to, to bringing into a formerly all-guys group? Diversity, honestly. Maybe I can cut some of the macho-ness out the constant bickering and maybe I can be that voice in the middle that keeps you working together rather than pushing each other apart. What, Rocky has no machismo in his body, so I don't know what you mean. He's lactose intolerant, dude. He can't have any machismo. It gives me gas. Nobody wants that. We're in a confined space. I can't wait to make Pippa cry. Good luck. 
game. Roy somehow managed to squeak by yet again. Because he's awesome. End of question. Where do you see him going from here? I mean, you've, you've kind of already hinted that you think that it's it's starting, it's the start of that downturn for him. But are you, you looking forward to like enjoying that downhill slide into oblivion? Or are you just going to, are you going to keep trying to, to, you know, pull Roy along for as long as you can and just, you know, prolong that forever? Let's be honest, as long as he's not dead. His sanity level is not that important to the character. I hope Roy lives forever. I've been open about this. And I think that the less sane he is, the more fun he is to play. So I, I do want to lean into it at some point, especially since I've done I've done a pretty good job at solving key connections. And this one I have not done a good job of. So that's going to start weighing on him. Because Roy's not really known for... um. He's, he's pretty... I don't know. He, he, he has kind of problems when he doesn't able to do what he wants to do do i don't know if you know that about him i'm excited for his sanity to keep dropping uh, assuming that there isn't some psychiatric breakthrough scientology it only cost me 10 million dollars and i am now <laughs> cured and that's going to be it for this episode of the Lovecraft Tapes. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. Meanwhile, you can find us at lovecrafttapes.com with links to all our hashtag recommendos and social media channels, including Reddit, YouTube, and our Discord server where you can chat with us in real time. You can find me on Twitter at Lovecraft Tapes. And if anybody knows a really great underground lair interior decorator who's looking for some work, you can hit me up on Twitter at the Real Weird Kid. I'm looking to go, you know, maybe leaning a little more modern, but you want a little bit of that underground, like, rustic cave thing still going, little homie, you know? If you know what I'm talking about, you, you know where to find me. And if anyone wants to get into any argument about anything with me, you can find me at Lovecraft Gabe. If all the patrons could scooch in, I'd like to give you guys a big hug. But I'll do it on, on Twitter. You can reach me at Brian Podcast. Until next time, roll for sanity. The Lovecraft Tapes Podcast is copyright 2021. For more information and sponsorship opportunities, please send email to podcast at thelovecrafttapes.com. Support the Lovecraft Tapes podcast and get access to exclusive content and rewards at patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes.